and welcome to the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I am Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, and in today's membership update, just want to remind folks that the NSTA Midwinter Meeting Light is being held February 21st through the 23rd. It's in Safety Harbor, Florida at the Safety Harbor Resort and Spa. If you need any information, we have a portal set up that'll outline all the ins and outs of the midwinter meeting. Just go to yellowbuses.org for that information. Look on the meeting navigation bar and it'll take you right to that page. So that's yellowbuses.org. Look for the meetings navigation bar to find out about the NSTA midwinter meeting light in Florida. Now, so happy to have a return guest, uh, here at NSTA, the bus stop. It's Tim Ammon. He's co-owner of Decision Support Group. So Tim, happy new year first and welcome back to NSTA, the bus stop. Kurt, thank you very much. Thanks for having me back and happy new year to you and everybody as well. Great. Now, I mean, there's so much to uh, peel away that uh, we could talk about today, (laughs) but I, I just think it's good to remind folks about Decision Support Group, what you all do and how you do that. So give them a, a your your elevator speech on that. Sure, sure. So uh, Decision Support Group uh, was founded by myself and, and my longtime co-conspirator, Tom Platt. And we are a consulting company focused overwhelmingly on working with organizations, be they public or private, on not only how they go about making decisions, but how to just think about putting problems together from a, the standpoint of increasing the access to educational programs for kids. So whether that's thinking about making transportation more efficient, making transportation more available, making it operate better within the context of the policies and procedures that exist within a location, all of those things are thing, are elements of the kinds of projects that we focus on and the kinds of organizations that we work with run the gamut from you know, large state and provincial governments all the way down to some of the smallest organizations in the country. Yeah. And just to remind folks, Tim was one of the co-managers, along with Jim Regan, on the START task force uh, report that, that NSTA partnered with NASDIPS and NAPT with in July. So, Tim, why don't you talk about that process a little bit in terms of developing the report and, and maybe some of your observations you know, since we deployed that report for the summer? Yeah. I am and continue to be really impressed by the collaboration of NSTA, NASDIPS, and NAPT that didn't necessarily start in that process, but certainly was the most robust set of collaboration that, that I've seen in my time in the industry. And as we were putting it together, I think what became apparent was the appreciation of uncertainty was going to have to be the biggest thing that people were going to have to get comfortable with. And the determinations at the time, now back in July, seems like a thousand years ago at this point, but in July, we still didn't have a full scope of reopening plans. We certainly didn't have thoughts of the way that the variant of the virus and some of the second and third waves while we made reference to those things, I think the impact that they've had in terms of actually shutting some districts down again, I don't know that we fully anticipated, but certainly provided some 
some guidance towards. And I think since then, what we've seen is it's really been fits and starts. And it's been a combination of having to think and rethink through whatever operational plan you were using. You know, I think the What's, what was interesting to me and, and your guest, you know, Dennis Roche from, from Burbio last week, I think his, his newsletter is really uh, interesting in this regard and the way that it shows some of the trending and in, in who's open and who's closed and, and where they're open and where they're closed and what some of those impacts have been on the way that departments have to respond. We're seeing the impacts, I think, be as systemic as we suspected them to be, which is it's causing disruption to the way that funding occurs. It's causing disruption to the way that we staff operations. It's causing disruption to everything that goes into providing kids access to education. And you know, one of the more impressive things I think that I've seen is just the way that the industry generally and, and particularly the on the ground operators have thrown a shoulder into this thing and really just tried to make bad circumstances work as well as they can. And I think your membership, you know, I think the membership of NSTA has done a great job of trying to be a leader in this and trying to figure out how to, how to use the resources available from a transportation operation to meet as many objectives as possibly can. So whether that's been food distribution or whether that's been expanding access for digital learning or somewhat surprisingly actually transporting kids, you know, like that, all of those things, I think the, the community of both uh, contractors and public sector providers have stepped up in a way that, you know, gets sort of occasional appreciation, but I think it's the, if there's anything that, that those of us who aren't delivering day-to-day -day services can do, it's to really have much more of a sense of appreciation for what it's like to be in that daily grind every day. Because it is a grind and these folks are, are working as hard as they've ever had to, to just try to do the best that they can for kids. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, ironic, you mentioned daily grind because I think in retrospect, you know, folks uh, would be enamored of the daily grind at this point, because one <laughs> of the big challenges that I keep hearing is the starts and stops with respect mm -hmm. to, you know, back to school and hybrid schedule versus, you know, 100% remote. And that's the biggest difficulty. And you overlay that, in and of itself, the logistics of that starting and stopping, because it's not like, you, you know, you're ordering a pizza here, you know, there's a ramp up time that, that needs to go into that. But then how does that affect the driver pool moving forward exactly. um, for school bus drivers? Yeah. And, and I think we're seeing that so clearly in terms of there's been a lot of within the last week or so articles on difficulties around you know, continued difficulties really around retention and recruiting, given all of these things, you know, surrounded by the way, by a potentially deadly virus, right? Like, so, so that I don't think, I don't think what we can do is to minimize the way that, that not only what the impact of the virus itself has on, on people's decision-making related to going into the field or not, I think it's the day-to-day -day disruption that 
is having a tremendous negative impact on the on the willingness of people to stay in the field when we need them the most because we you know we will come out of this and the 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 big issue i believe is going to be when we come out of it how much worse off are we going to be than we started because i don't think there's an opportunity to be better off so um, it, it really is a question of how do we mitigate the negative impacts of it and whether that's through the work to try to get transportation funded, whether that's continued efforts around looking at new and different populations to try to recruit from, whatever those things are, this really is going to continue to be a huge challenge for operators to try to, to, try to fill seats, you know, and, and I think my concern, and I think this has emerged as we've started to read about organizations that are making that transition back to more robust in, in school learning, those transitions are really rocky. You know, the, the, the hybrid learning and some of the shutdowns have actually masked, I think, how impactful this pandemic has been on the actual availability of resources to go provide services. And so how do, how do we ramp up to try to get to the point where when things do go back to some semblance of normalcy, regardless of what changes from an educational perspective, we can actually meet the demand. And I think, you know, I think that's going to vex a huge number of organizations across the country. Yeah, so, so true now. And, and not to you know, <laughs> throw anything more on, onto the issues at, at hand, but, you know, from our perspective, too, we're going to have to transition to dealing with an entirely new administration in Washington. So that, that under normal circumstances, that provides challenges to begin with. Uh, having to do it within the confines of a pandemic is is a different story, and we're going to once again have to find out as we go along. But I think the big takeaway is that just to continue to try to move forward, you, you know, you're going to hit some some bumps, you know, along the way. But the key the key thing is to to remain engaged and to you know move forward as best you can. Right, and, and that you know, given given what some of the pronouncements of the incoming administration have been, which is you know getting kids back into school in the first hundred days that wick is going to burn very quickly. And, and I think that the challenges that, that our folks have faced over the last seven months have been terrific. If we think we're going to try to figure all this out in the next hundred days, I think it's going to actually get a lot harder here in, in the short term to try to do that, given, given what's out there from a resource shortage perspective. So I think, um, I, you know, I don't want this to be sort of the doom and gloom you know, <laughs> podcast, but I, I, I think right. the, the reality of it is that the challenges that we thought we were facing in June and July of last year with starts are still both relevant and, and some of them may be more prevalent now than they were then when we were speculating on what they were going to be. Right. For, for, yeah, for sure. Now, one area that I've tried to delve into, you know, myself, specifically with the membership of uh, NSTA or school budgets, I, I guess. And, you know, there are different degrees of challenges there as well, because, you know, you know, the decision-making is all very much local. There can't really be a one-size-fits-all edict from Washington, D.C. that takes care of that. And one of the areas as well 
is I think it's important for contractors to understand the funding mechanism and the, as well as the, the budget of your particular state that you operate in. I know that you've been heavily involved in that in the past. What does that look like from you know, your lens? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think knowing knowing how the funding mechanism works in a state, for if you're a contractor, can make you a better partner to the school district because you can help figure out some element of, and this this isn't really the proper technical term for it, but but I think it is the proper outcome term for it, which is, you know, how do you manage revenue maximization from the standpoint of state funding? And, and so uh, we're huge advocates of ensuring that everybody is as up to speed as possible, not only on what has to be filled out and collected, but once that goes into the grist mill of the actual funding, how does that occur? Because even small tweaks in approach can have significant impacts on, on the funding that comes back downstream. And I, I believe that if you can be a good partner in that, it makes for better opportunities to, to keep and retain customers um, in the long term, if you're a contractor, and and I think what's coming up over the next couple of years is going to make that even more important. Um, I think we're going to get a little bit of a reprieve this year from a budgeting standpoint, because even though it's going to be difficult, it's unlikely to be as bad as it probably could have been, because there's mm-hmm. so much federal money sloshing around. You know, it's it to sort of you know turn the old phrase a billion here, a billion there, and we're talking about real money all of a sudden. And, and right. so, uh, you know, I, I think we've got that coming through this year and that's not sustainable in perpetuity. So at some point, you know, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to come to the realization that we've sealinged out at least for the short term on what, what funding's gonna look like. And we're gonna have to start making hard choices on on approach and how to, what what amount of resources are going to be dedicated. And I think if, to your point, if you can be a positive influence on helping the district understand how that funding comes down, that, that to me is all to the better. Because I do think while 2021 uh, is going to be okay, I think 2022 and 2023 are going to be particular challenges once once we start to squeeze some of this, you know, essentially 0% interest money out of the system. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's so hard at this point to think beyond what's right in front of us because, Hey, you know, nobody planned for the pandemic number one last year and two, the two weeks to flatten the curve have taken on a whole new meeting (laughs) in the nine (laughs) and 10 months, you know, after. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so true. As as we wind down, uh, Tim, and and we'll definitely have to have you back on so we can talk through some of these issues even further. What is it that you see in the short term, you know, horizon? What are some of the challenges, and what are maybe some of the opportunities? Yeah, I think the the, the big challenge is going to continue to just be the blocking and tackling of daily operations, right? Driven mostly by the driver element of things. I think there will start to be some spillover effects from that. You know, I think we will, on the assumption that that we do end up with some tighter financial conditions, I think questions around 
asset replacement will start to emerge. But I think structurally, the biggest question is how much of what's gone on during the pandemic is going to stay and result in a systemic change in the way that education is delivered. You know, we're, we're hearing districts talking about instituting four-day-a-week schedules on site, but the fifth day being remote. And, and if so, that's got a profound impact, particularly if I'm a contractor on the way that I've got to price my services, right? And, and it's got a profound impact on the way that we can go recruit and retain people for the positions that we need. So, you know, while, while I think, and, and we've said this before in a different ser- in forums, that we're not doing a great job on remote learning right now. And frankly, arguably, in some places, we're doing a terrible job, um, but we're getting a lot of practice. So we're going to get better at it. And, and I think the to the degree that we get better at it, it's likely that there will be increasing systemic changes in the way that our customers think about their business, which means it's going to mean that we've got to rethink ours. And and while I don't see that as an immediate term challenge, I don't think it's that far off. Like I think it's a next year problem and and probably some of this year continuing. So so I think that's going to be one of the things. And I think the other element of this that comes in is the the expectations around what we can tell people when. I mean, I think structurally, one of the things that we saw at the beginning of the pandemic was transportation systems were not super flexible, right? They weren't able to respond quickly to changes in educational programs. And I think we got better at that pretty quickly. And so, and I think we did that through a combination of changes in philosophy and and additions in technology and all those things. And so I think organizations are going to be challenged to figure out how to incorporate all of those things into their operations on a systemic basis going forward because it you know it's it's not necessarily like physics that you know we we make progress one funeral at a time but but we're not the swiftest rabbit in the race at times either so i think you know we've got to be really thoughtful about how these systemic changes that have come about as a result of COVID are going to impact the kinds of services that we're providing in the long term. Well, Tim, so much uh, great information. Once again, our guest at NSDA, The Bus Stop, Tim Ammon, co-owner at Decision Support Group. If you want to reach Tim, you can email him at tammon, all one word, so tammon at decisionsupportgroup.com. So that's T-A-M-M-O-N at decisionsupportgroup.com. Tim, thanks so much for joining us at the bus stop. And like I said, we'll have to have you back on because you always give us a keen insight and great observation. So thanks thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, Kurt, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to come on and, and, and I'm, I'm incredibly appreciative of it. So, so in, anytime.